listening to episode 150. That's right. What? 150 of Shades Midweek. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. If you're a longtime listener, you know the whole deal. You know what's going on already. We are recording this from Three Stream Studio. My name is John Mark DeRoe, and I am joined by Jonathan Haves. Jonathan, happy March. Happy March, sir. We're here. Happy, happy 150. Happy 150. Let's, know, how about another hand? I'm for real. For 150. Who would have thought back in early 2020 that we'd still be sitting here doing this? You know, we've remained very faithful to this podcast, trying to do it each and every week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I am right proud of our track record, proud of our content. I'm just so proud of us. Yeah, maybe we'll do something big for 250. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. We'll figure maybe it out. Maybe not. I don't know. We did the, we did a live show for episode 100, and that took a lot out of us. So. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> we've got we've got our own ways of celebrating 150. Why don't we start out celebrating that with a trip, John Mark? You know where I'm thinking about going? Oh, I love going on trips. Oh, man. Well, the weather is perfect for a trip down to the email corridor. The email corridor. That's right. Down here in the corridor, we've got an email hot off the press uh, from our good friend Dale Anton again. Oh, my goodness. You know, love to see it. Dale sent us this really short, uh, uh, really kind email we read a couple of weeks ago. And I think in our response to it, um, he, he wanted to elaborate, which we welcome. So, the subject line is happening in the ham. I, I appreciate that shout out to my new segment there, Dale. Dale says, greetings, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> there, I think I've covered all the bases of possible time frames. Uh, just so you know, good afternoon is the appropriate one for us right now, Dale. That's right. He said, I can repeat them in German. I am not going to read those because I'm going to butcher them horribly. But he repeats all of his greetings in German. Uh, Guten, I can say that. That's that's the good. Um, but anyway, he repeats them in German. Uh, this is one of those times that I wish uh, I knew Spanish, as I think the sequence of threes would be beneficial. So I wish I had been in town to go with Shades on the Civil Rights Tour. This is such an important part of the church, understanding the need for reconciliation. I've been to the Civil Rights Museum several times, but would love to have been there with the august docent Mr. Colin Hansen. Mm. To tour with an informed guide would be a wonderful event. I hope that shades turned out like the Rolling Stones were in town. <laughs> well, Dale, I don't know that it was quite like the Rolling Stones were in town, but we, we did have a great turnout. It was a great tour, yeah. and we hope to be able to offer it again so that more people can go. Maybe, maybe you'll be able to make it then, Dale. We'd love to have you, sir. His email continues. I'd like to mention here that my lovely bride and I have been processing through the EFCA Reach Global Crisis Response application and onboarding process and are in pre-deployment phase of becoming official missionaries. That's awesome, Dale. That is fantastic. Um we do. We have an episode uh, where we talked with the head, Mark of, Lewis, Mark Lewis of uh, EFCA Crisis Response. We we need to get somebody from Reach Global. We should. We need to do that. Um, he says 
this is only different from being regular Christians and missionaries every day by the need to go through a process. Uh, we will be returning to Huntsville in mid-March and plan to come through Birmingham with the desire to see the dried steam bed of the fourth the, the dried stream bed <laughs> of the fourth stream of today's three stream studio. <laughs> he's going deep. Oh, he is, man. I love he it. is. He's a dedicated listener. Dale, seriously, when you come through Birmingham, man, let us know. We'd love to give to us a get heads together, up. Have some coffee. We would love to interview Dale Anton on Shades Midweek. Let's do it. That's what we would like to happen. Your bride can come on too. We'll get your full story. He said, uh, really, our plan is to attend church with the wonderful saints of God's church at Shade. So Dale plans to be here. You've got to let us know wow. the specific date that's happening. And we are serious about wanting to interview you on Shade's Midweek. We would love that. And then he finishes off by saying, hey, Brad, enjoy not knowing that I'm giving you a shout out. <laughs> Rest and revive. <laughs> Grace and mercy, Dale G. Anton. Dale Anton, everybody. That's fantastic. Thank you, sir, for emailing in to the email corridor. It is always a joy to hear from you, Dale, and we hope to be able to uh, sit down with you and converse in person not too long from now. John Mark, while we didn't receive another email, I did get a text message. Oh, you did? And it feels like the corridor is the appropriate place to read it because it pertains to... Shades Midweek. In fact, it pertains to a specific segment of Shades Midweek. It pertains, I just wanted to say pertains one more time, to JM's album of the week. Well, I hope it's a, it's a good thing. I hope it's all good. <laughs> I only accept praise. So, well, I, I got, this was after you featured a particular album in which you gave... Lizzie McAlpine. Yeah, you gave a fairly large preface speech about complaints that you don't feature pop music. And so right? Lizzie McAlpine's album was your effort to toss the pop music crowd a bone. It was It's indie pop. It's indie pop. Well, I received this text message. Does John Mark know what pop music is? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> yes. Well, so. Who's that from? I, I can't say. We can't say I anonymous. Can't say, I can't say on air. Oh my goodness! I can tell what you is this? Um, but uh, I asked if I could share that text message, and I didn't get a response fast enough to be able to share it oh, last time. Okay, okay. But not only did they respond and tell me yes, but um, I'll give you this much. She yeah okay elaborated. All right, let's continue. <laughs> she said. John Mark's latest attempt at selecting a pop album has left me questioning everything. Not the everything. Meaning, not the meaning of life. Rather, if we've all put our musical faith in the genius of yet another flawed being, life is but a vapor, and apparently so too is JM's pulse on musical genre. Wow. While his accuracy may be limited, at least he's still got good taste. Signed, a concerned so shadeser. So she likes the music, but she doesn't think that it's pop music. Is that... Oh, I love it. I love it. Is that what's going on? I mean... She said I had good taste, so that's que- not a bad thing. She is questioning putting her musical faith in, in you. Yeah. Well, I never asked anyone to do that. <laughs> Your pulse on musical Don't. genre, apparently. It's not, not good. <laughs> I love it. 
I love it. Well, we welcome any and all feedback. Oh, my goodness gracious. But unfortunately, sitting at the head of our musical helm is that flawed genius, and I want to know what kind of music he's going to give us this week and what he's going to call it. Okay, well, let's try this again. (laughs) We're going to try this again uh, and spin the wheel. And uh, let me just say something. If this artist... If you don't consider this artist a true pop artist, then uh, then I think we have some major disagreements on what <laughs> pop music is. I'm just gonna give up. So after this. Uh, yeah, and then that'll just be the end. So I would say if you've ever uh, believed this person performed at a Super Bowl, not rec- uh, not this year, but recently. So if they've performed at a Super Bowl, let's just assume yeah they're they're pretty well known. They make popular music, so let's just go with that now. There have been rock bands that have played uh, the Super Bowls. There have been R&B, hip-hop artists. I would consider this in the pop genre for Play sure. So here's Jam's album of the week. I was born in a city my album of the week this week comes from someone I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Ever heard of the weekend before? I knew it was the, the weekend. weekend. They had a pretty big song at one point that was played everywhere. I was about to say, I love the fact that you did not play the song that everyone would immediately recognize. Well, this is their most uh, recent full-length release that they put out last year. That he put out last year. It's called Dawn FM. And this song uh, reminds me of Michael Jackson. And if we're going to trace our roots, if we're going to trace our roots back to the king of pop, where else are we going to go other than Michael Jackson? Me short of me just choosing a Michael Jackson record, which I'm not going to do, although I love his music. uh, But I I felt I would try to do something, a newer album this week. So this this song is called Sacrifice. It's by The Weeknd. It's off the album Dawn FM. Did you know... That on this album, he had Jim Carrey uh, do some voiceovers throughout this record. Did you know that? I did, I did not. I don't think I've listened to anything off of this record yet. It's pretty cool. Now I, I do. I, don't, I, don't, I like his previous record is uh, with some of the hits on there. Yeah, I would say that I only know his hits. Like after hours, I've listened to uh, through most of that record. Blinding lights, obviously, uh, great song. In your eyes. Great song. Do we do um, we want to turn on Blinding Lights for two seconds so we can prove right. to everyone this that is, he is a this pop is the artist? Weekend. And it actually sounds pretty similar to what I just played. Very synth-heavy, upbeat. But yeah, if you don't consider this pop music, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and it's and it's not a cop out. I'm not just choosing a random pop album. I I like I like the weekend. A lot of TikTok dance videos going through your head right now. Yeah, he played the Super Bowl, right? I'm pretty he did. sure he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that. That was a great performance, too. Great performance. And he's it was, kind of a, it was crazy. He, he's an interesting pop artist, you know, some of the things that he does with his with his videos and, and uh, things that he does with his face and with his visual look. I feel like he's always trying to make a statement. Uh, in the pop world so uh, he's a unique character and like most pop artists whether it's uh, so let's name a few 
uh, Bruno Mars, Justin Timberlake, The Weeknd, they're all inspired by Michael Jackson. I mean, let's just be real. So I do like pop music. I don't like all of it. I don't listen to it all the time. Uh, and I'm just going to lay it. I'm just going to put it to bed. Just just leave it right just there. Just going to put it to bed. Just leave it right there. I like Lady Gaga. Well, so, person- <laughs> so just so you know, personally, personally, I, I think that you redeemed yourself personally. Thank you. Personally. Thank you. So we'll see if we get... If I get more text messages. And, and I like, uh, well, now, country pop is a whole other thing that, yep. that I will steer away from. Mm. But I do like Chris Stapleton, but he's probably more outlaw country than he is country yeah. pop. Yeah. Uh, well, there's so. the deep dive. <laughs> All right. All right. Dawn FM by The weekend. Check it out. It's a unique listen. Jim Carrey, The weekend. There's some great songs. Let's uh, let's go wow. to not quite as deep of a dive. Uh, let's hear what's happening in the hand. Oh, well, this week on Happening in the Ham, uh, I want to tell you about a couple of concerts headed your way. Uh, and they're all coming to the same venue, which is really the the place I want to feature this week, and that is the Alabama Theater. I, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go to the Alabama Theater. You can go there and see movies at Christmas time. You can go there and see plays and see concerts and see ballets and all sorts of stuff happens, and it's a really intimate venue. Like, if you've only ever been to the theater venue at the BJCC, this is much smaller. It's yeah. uh, 2,500 seats, and it's a very historic landmark in the midst of Birmingham. So I'm just going to read you just a little bit about the theater itself before I tell you about three upcoming shows. So the Alabama Theater is a movie palace. Why don't we call them that anymore? I love that. It's a movie palace in Birmingham, Alabama. It was built in 1927 by Paramount's Publix Theater chain as its flagship theater for the southeastern region of the United States. So cool. Seating 2,500 people at a time. It was the largest in Birming- in the Birmingham Theater District. Did you know that was a theater district down there? Well, I know they, I, I did know that. I know they called it that because they have the Lyric Theater, which is right next to it. They've recently. So uh, those are the only two left. Right. But right. there were a myriad of large theaters that featured vaudeville, the performing arts, Nickelodeons, uh, and the large first-run movie palaces. Can you imagine going to a sold-out movie with... I mean, I, like, I've been to their Christmas stuff. But yeah, I'm, yeah. But I'm thinking of, like, a brand-new movie that just came out, and you're going to go see it on a Saturday night, and there are 2,500 other people. Yeah, that's that crazy. Room. That's awesome. That's crazy. And one of the things the Alabama Theater is known for is that it still features its original Wurlitzer Theater organ. Yeah. So, yeah, if you've never been there, it's a beautiful place, very historic place. Yeah. So... Go there for something. Go check out something happening in the ham. But I told you there are a couple of shows headed that way, and I was just going to highlight three for you. The first one is on Thursday, March the 9th at 8 p.m. JM, you can go experience Floyd Nation. Floyd Nation is a U.S.-based uh, Pink Floyd tribute band. Oh, okay. So if you okay. like Pink Floyd, you got a like tribute Pink band Floyd. coming. All right, it gets better. Okay. All right, on Saturday, March the 15th at 7.30 p.m., REO Speedwagon will be in concert at the Alabama Theater. And the last one that I will highlight for you is on Tuesday, 
March the 18th. Uh, not so much a concert as a night of worship. Bethel Music oh, wow. will be at the Alabama Theater. Mm. So those are a couple of things coming up. And the Alabama Theater always has stuff going on. Yeah. So even outside of, I didn't mention, there are, there are events literally scheduled in between the things that I mentioned. So you should definitely check out the Alabama Theater. You should look and see what concerts they have coming. Catch a show there. Um, it's it's just a really cool. It's a it's a place where you can sometimes get to see a larger artist in a much smaller venue than they yeah. would normally play in. Yeah, I've seen. Let's see. I'm trying to think of all the shows. I've, I've seen Death Cab for Cutie there. I've seen Robert Plant uh, there before on his solo stuff. Uh, I'm sure there's been a handful of others, but it's a great venue to go I, see a show. I went to a Need to Breathe show there. The Oh Hellos opened for them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. God, I feel like there's at least another show. I've taken uh, both of my daughters at different points to go see the Nutcracker, the, mm. the Russian Ballet, uh, there before. Um, oh, there's definitely some more things that aren't coming to mind at this exact moment. Did, did you hear about the most recent show that was announced at Oak Mountain Amphitheater over the summer? Have you heard about this? It just got announced yesterday. I thought that theater, the Oak Mountain Amphitheater, was closing down and they were building a new thing. Well, it's the, the new amphitheater downtown, I believe, has been approved to be built, but the Oak Mountain one is still existing. It's still open. Okay. Foo Fighters are coming. Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters are coming with a new drummer. Dude. Over the summer. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I've seen Dave at that amphitheater. Yep. That, be, that tracks. Uh, I went with, this This is a throwback for you. I went with Brian Belknap okay. to see Kings of Leon there. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, he was a big Kings of Leon fan, and he had an extra ticket. And I'm like, well, I'm not a huge fan, but sure, I'll go to a show. Yeah, I've seen a number of shows there. I will say I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I know that it's probably going to hurt, uh, you know, that Pelham area once that amphitheater is defunct or I don't know if they're still going to try to have two amphitheaters in Birmingham, but I think it's a good call to move it to downtown Birmingham. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to see the skyline and I think it's just going to be better. Probably attract better shows too. So right now Motley Crue, I feel like plays there almost every year. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of done. with (laughs) I went with Joseph Wonski to see Mumford there. Okay. You saw Mumford there. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen John Mayer there a few times. Uh, Ben Folds, Ben Folds open for John Mayer. Actually, that that time I saw him, I've, there's been some other shows. Yeah, Birmingham, Coldplay. Birmingham Coldplay. pulls some good shows, man. We really yeah. do, and in smaller venues than if you saw them in Atlanta or Nashville. Yeah. So, well, you know, uh, speaking of shows, I, uh, you know how Ashley and I last year we went to go see Robert Plant and Allison Krauss in Atlanta, yeah, and yeah. when we went, it got rained out, mm-hmm. and so we got soaking wet. They canceled the show. They only got to play like three songs. Said they were going to reschedule. Well, I mean, that's like a big to-do with us. We have kids. We had like booked a hotel. So we sold our tickets. Well, they announced a new tour, and guess where they're coming? Birmingham Birmingham. to Oak Mountain Amphitheater. So I bought tickets to go. So, yeah, that's coming up soon. Well, that's just some things happening in the ham, everybody. And, uh, yeah, we are really excited to bring to you our interview for today. Yes. So we mentioned some things about the EFCA. A second ago said we needed to get uh, on the phone with somebody from Reach Global. Well, we don't have somebody from Reach Global, but we do have uh, someone very near and dear to our hearts uh, from the EFCA. And so without any further ado, here is that 
interview. Ladies and gentlemen of Shades Midweek, Shades Midweekers, Midweek listeners. I don't know what we call our listeners, John Mark. We should come up with an official name. We should. But if you're out there listening, we have a very special interview for you today. We have none other than the Glenn Schreiber in the house with us. Glenn Schreiber, everyone. You weren't expecting the live the live studio audience, were you? No, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting any of that. None of it. None of it. No, we're professional here. We try to do things right. You'll notice you have your complimentary bottle of water. That's right. Right there in front of you. I mean, that's all we have to offer, but <laughs> it's something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Glenn is the district superintendent for the Southeastern District of the EFCA. The EFCA is the Evangelical Free Church of America, which we at Shades Valley Community Church are a part of. And we are in the Southeast District, which means that Glenn is our superintendent, at least for a little while longer. But we'll we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, but Glenn... Before we get into like EFCA stuff and what it means to be a district superintendent and all of that, let's just hear a little bit about you. Tell us, just give us a 10,000 foot view of the story of Glenn Schreiber. Wow. Uh, first of all, great to be with you. This is a lot of fun. You guys are heroes. The, uh, so the, everyone, uh, short... everyone tells us the same. We're, we're heroes. <laughs> the, the short story of me, uh, Nebraska born and bred. Uh, my father was a carpenter. My mom was an elementary school teacher. Grew up uh, in the Lutheran Church. Uh, grew up in a town of about 15,000, which by Nebraska standards means I'm a city kid. Right. I'm, a, I'm an urban kid. And uh, yeah, just uh, nothing remarkable whatsoever. I just, uh, but I came to Christ as a senior in high school. And by that, I mean that's when uh, the gospel really made sense to me. I was at a point of just uh, depression, and uh, actually a football coach that was a Christian in the high school noticed my uh, depression. I guess I was wearing it quite visibly, and he came up and said to me, uh, hey, Glenn, you want to get full of joy? I go, boy, I sure do. And he goes, well, come to my house tonight. There's someone that you need to hear, and I think you'll get full of joy. So I went to his house that night. And uh, there was an evangelist going through town, and he happened to be a member of an evangelical free church, the coach did, of an evangelical free church, invited this uh, gentleman, this evangelist, into his home to meet with a number of, of us. And uh, he handed out three-by-five cards, and he had us to s- fill out and say, how does one become a Christian? And I go, well, hey, I know this. So I go, I go to church regularly, live by the Ten Commandments, uh, obey the golden rule, and, uh, and that should be good. I th- was very happy with my answer. thought it was concise, concise yet thorough. Uh, he was reading through the, the, uh, the cards and got to mine, started to shake his head no, and, and said, I don't think this person's a Christian. And I was too shy to do anything outwardly, but inwardly I was jumping up and down going, what do you mean I'm not a Christian? I went to church. I've tried this. I've, you know, the whole bit. And, uh, but then he explained through what many of us know is the bridge illustration mm. that uh, God was on one side, man was on the other, and a great chasm of sin in between. And, and so while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit was speaking to my spirit about all that I had uh, done that I hadn't gotten caught f- for, and uh, some of the many things that I did get caught for, and knew that I did have a sin problem. But aside from let's, that... Let's talk about all those things. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just kidding. As, right as I said, aside from that... 
Just kidding. He said three. Other, he said three other things. He said there's three things that you really need to know. He says one, God knows you by name. Uh, two, He has a plan and purpose for your life that uh, only you can fulfill. Uh, and uh, uh, and He loved you enough to die for you. And this little, uh, I was a long-haired hippie freak at the time. Uh, there in the, what, what year? Uh, in, this is seventy-one, December twelfth, nineteen seventy-one. And uh, yeah, this uh, long-haired hippie freak. Uh, in the middle of uh, flyover country, uh, needed to hear that message. Mm. And so uh, uh, hearing those three things coupled with that bridge illustration, the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit, uh, the evangelist didn't have a pray with me or anything like that, but uh, I had heard enough, and my spirit was acknowledging all that. And uh, this was back when we had water beds. Uh, well... <laughs> And, uh, and actually, it was so far back that, that the waterbeds didn't have heaters, or at least mine sure did. Oh, wow. And they didn't have uh, baffles. And I had a, that, you know, that would kind of calm down the, right, the, the right. wave action. And my bedroom was in the basement. And remember, this is December 12th in Nebraska, so it was just really cold. So the bed's frozen. Yeah, so the bed <laughs> wasn't quite the ice rink, but, but I remember going home that night, and, uh, and the coach said, asked if I wanted to get full of joy, and it was uh, a joy and a peace that does indeed mm-hmm. pass all understanding. So uh, changed my life. Went from black and white to color that evening. And, and I tell people I have, at that point, uh, was on a quest. Well, little did I know I was on a quest to become the most interesting average person I knew. <laughs> um, very average and just who I was, but became most interesting once I started to follow Jesus and recognize he had a plan, that he did love me, and he's taken me all kinds of places since then. So uh, mm-hmm. it's been quite a ride. Right. Right. One of those places is uh, into marriage. So tell us a little bit about your family. Yep. Karen's a Midwest farmer's daughter. I grew up on a farm right outside my uh, large city experience. And uh, we met at junior college. And uh, yeah, so uh, we got married about two years after we met. We've been married for 47 years, I think, at this point, going to be 48 soon. I uh, have five kids, uh, four boys, and then the girl came. And uh, How insane do you have to be to have five children? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, know, I know you feel me, and I feel you. So how old's your oldest kid? Oldest kid is uh, 44. Mm. My goodness, 44 mm. down to 32. I'm just trying to figure out where I fall mm-hmm. in the lineup of your children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you very much for that. Oh. I'll turn 40 this year. But going back to Karen, uh, yeah, yeah, go back to Karen. Uh, she's been a great partner. She's just, uh, she's just uh, followed uh, the whims of uh, uh, of my uh, spirit, trying to follow his spirit. Mm. And uh, she's a secondary education teacher by uh, education, and uh, homeschooled our kids through uh, middle school, actually. And then when they all got out of the house, then she became a public school teacher and is in her last year as a seventh grade language arts teacher, which I think is probably the hardest job in America. I was about to say, (laughs) I have a seventh grader right now. (laughs) And uh, Lord bless her. Yeah, times times 25, (laughs) times five classes. Right, and my seventh grader, I tend to think, is actually on the easy side of the spectrum. (laughs) Oh, my word. Um... Well, one of the places the Lord led you uh, was obviously into the EFCA, because um, you told us you grew up Lutheran. Mm-hmm. And so tell us a little bit about your journey into the Evangelical Free Church. Well, it was a relationship. It was that football coach that morning that uh, was a member of a, of a free church who mm-hmm. that church 
the pastor, uh, was challenging the people in his congregation to reach out to their areas of influence. Theirs was high school, and so they started a Fellowship of Christian Athletes huddle group there. And, uh, and so that's where I had gotten to know him, and he had gotten to know me. Thinking I was a Christian, thinking I was an athlete, I went, found out I was neither, and they were able to help me with the one. You've told that story a lot. That's a well-oiled line right there. <laughs> I love it, and it's so true. Uh, and so, yeah, and then so that night, you know, that Monday night it was, uh, where he invited me to his home, and the evangelist was going through town that next Sunday, uh, he invited me to just come to his church, and uh, uh, and so I did, and really have been in an evangelical free church ever since. Wow. Now, we're in the southeast. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody here that I talk to on the street has any idea what the EFCA is, evangelical free church, none of that. So before you tell us what it is, tell us why is that? Why does no one down here, like people are surprised, they'll come to Shades for a little while, and because... Uh, free church isn't in our name, you know, we're Shades Valley Community Church, uh, they'll come to our membership seminar, and that's, for some of them, it's the first time they hear about the EFCA, and they're surprised to even learn we're part of a denomination, and then they're like, well, we don't even know what that is. Why, why does anybody down here know what it is? Well, because the uh, Evangelical Free Church came about through uh, really a lay revival in uh, Western, Northwestern Europe uh, at the in the 1800s, late 1800s. Just Two, two roots. There's a Swedish root and the Danish Norwegian. Danish Norwegian. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And so a lay revival took place uh, because the Bible was getting into the common language. People, the lay people, started to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Holy Spirit did what he what did he to does. me, did yeah. what he does. And as they read the Bible, uh, they uh, put their faith in him and started to practice what else they read in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that came up against the state church that was over there and mm-hmm. the clergy that weren't so spiritually vital at that time. And so when they read about, uh, well, hey, let's get baptized, and uh, that kind of went against what the church would want them to do. They said, hey, let's gather together for Bible study. And the uh, state church didn't necessarily care for that either. And so they got persecuted for that, plus they couldn't really express their faith like they wanted to. And so uh, many of them uh, left that uh, left those countries, and uh, many came to the U.S. So they migrated over in the late 1800s, early 1900s, went over the East Coast, where there'd already been, what, one, two, who knows how many other uh, waves of migration, mm. and settled in the Midwest. Okay. So that's where the free church goes. So that's one reason. The second reason is we are, uh, it's a distinctive of ours to be non-distinctive. <laughs> Elaborate. So, so, you know, we are free church. So that means every local church uh, can gov- govern themselves and be autonomous in, them, in and of themselves. And so we, uh, uh, we gather together as congregations as we, uh, we choose to, to join each other. And, uh, but we don't, have to, uh, we don't have to wear the banner. Right. And, uh, and because of uh, our individual distinctiveness, uh, we don't have one particular brand or style, but you'll see many different expressions of what that free church means. Right. Uh, and so, because we have, have roots in America that go into the Midwest, upper Midwest, I don't think they even really saw the South as a mission field, mm. just kind of left it to the Baptists, the Methodists, all the other first wave uh, immigrants that came over here and got their churches started. And so, really, it wasn't until the mid-80s that we uh, came to, that the Free Church came to Kentucky, then added Tennessee, then Alabama, Mississippi, and, and uh, Louisiana, 
And then, of course, uh, with the invention of the air conditioner uh, and the businesses that started to begin in Florida, the Free Church got to Florida, I think, back in the 50s, but uh, didn't get to the Carolinas or, or Georgia till later as well. Right. Well, and what's what's hilarious to me is that um, so so talking about how the the free church you know kind of started uh, in the Midwest, and so that's you'll find a lot more when oh, yeah. you go out to the Midwest. We are we're kind of on the uh, the frontier mission field here in Birmingham, Alabama, for the free church. Anyway, um, but what's funny you mentioned Florida, and because Florida is such a uh, hot spot for. Uh, retiring and all of this kind of thing from all over the country, uh, you'll actually find more free churches in Florida. Is, is that out of the Southeastern District? Do they have the most as far as states go? So, I would think so. So for your listeners, the the EFCA Southeast District, which is what we're called, yes. comprises nine states. Yeah, we're the biggest district as far as states go, right? Probably. Or uh, The EFCA West uh, is is close in, in, nah. in geography. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, but if you drew a if you drew a geographic center line, it would go from Lexington, Kentucky, to Knoxville, Tennessee, to Atlanta, Georgia, to Tallahassee, Florida. Believe it or not, it's pretty much a straight line down. On that line, and to the east, you'll have ninety percent of our ministries mm. or our congregations. Mm. And in Florida, you'll have half of our congregations. Wow. Gotcha. So you're right; it does go like that. And yet, it was the uh, you know the the businessmen that would come down from the Midwest to start businesses, and the retirees that would find their right. way there. Which is why, uh, in the villages, Florida, which is one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, retirement community in America, it also uh, has one of our larger free churches <laughs> in America. Of uh, because oh, they know of they know of our they coming down from where right. we are a known uh, entity, right? And uh, and because they don't fit with the uh, yeah. with your traditional Southern Baptist or other mainline sure. churches, yeah. they find us. So if you were gonna, I, so I have my own way of answering this question, but I'm I'm curious to hear yours. So if you were gonna explain to the average person who just came to Shades and they hear we're part of the EFCA and they're like, I've never heard of that. Is that a cult? Is that a, like what is that? Because I think, like especially in in the southeast, you know, we, I mean, we're right in the heart of what has been traditionally called the Bible Belt, though the buckle is definitely rusting, mm-hmm. and you know, and that is it is that is a Christian kind of generic culture is disappearing at, at large, just in the secular culture, um, but still, people are generally familiar with the. Christian denominational landscape, right? So they're going to be familiar with what it means to be a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian, or they're at least going to have heard of these things, you know? So I think often when they hear of something that lies outside of the so many options they've heard before, it strikes them as like, that's got to be something weird. (laughs) Like, you know, that's got to be some kind of off, like cultish something. So, so what would you say to explain to somebody what what what's what is this EFCA thing? Well, I love telling the EFCA story, but I'll break it down and try to keep it simple. Just imagine you were one of those 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 lay folks going to uh, your normal church service that happened to read the Bible and find the Jesus Christ, uh, mm-hmm. the Savior there, and your spirit. Uh, and his spirit sparks your spirit uh, towards belief, acknowledgement of your sin, belief in him for that salvation, and then ushers a whole new life. Then you want to just gather with others uh, to do what the Bible says. So evangelical means uh, we believe in the evangel Jesus Christ. We be- the, the word of God is, is our authority. 
Uh, and free means that uh, we're just going to be free to live what the Bible says as a local assembly here and not have to respond to a higher hierarchy or to a state church. Mm-hmm. And then you find your way to America and you just, uh, whether it's in your house church or whatever, you just continue to, to express your faith uh, in what you're reading in the word with others. And part of the word says, go, go share it with others. So you're about doing the evangelism and making disciples piece. And then you just, then the, the more you grow, the more you bring structure as you design it and what fits best for your particular congregation, your particular locale uh, to be obedient to what the Lord's bringing. So that expression does find itself in similar expressions that you would find here in the South, the Southern Baptists. On paper, we're probably very similar to Southern Baptists, but our DNA, our practice, our feel is going to be a little bit different uh, than they'll find. And and if people get beyond the name and give us a chance, I think what they find is just that, just a... uh, Though our, our demeanor and our manner might be informal, uh, our desire to live for the Lord and be about Him is, uh, uh, is very urgent to us. Mm-hmm. And we want to live with the expectancy of Jesus can come back at any time. But until He does, uh, we're on mission. Mm-hmm. And we're on mission together. And we don't mind uh, coming alongside others who aren't of our tribe or our brand. That's another distinctiveness of us, is we yeah. just want to major on the majors, minor on the minors, be about the Great Commission, and join with anyone who wants to partner. Mm. Yeah, I, I tell, so I grew up uh, in the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, and uh, which is another kind of free church. I'll explain to people, like, free church is a really broad category. Um, so really, any church that believes in local church autonomy kind of fits within this broad category of being a free church. So Baptists fit in there. Uh, Pentecostals fit in there. Your independent churches fit in there. Your non-denominational churches fit in there. You know, um, And almost all of them also practice believers' baptism, those kinds of things. Um, but so I'll, I'll, I'll start with that as a comparison piece for people because they're familiar with mm-hmm. what, what it means to be a Baptist. Uh, and I'll say, but we're, we're a bit broader than that. Um, in that, uh, and that's where that whole majoring on the majors, minoring on the minors mm-hmm. comes in. And I'll explain the difference between like first and secondary theological issues and how first order issues we absolutely hold to with great conviction. Uh, but secondary issues, the EFCA makes more room than your average denomination. And I'll use baptism as a point mm-hmm. to discuss that. So growing up within the SBC, if you came to join our church and you had not been baptized uh, as a believer by immersion, you had to be rebaptized, uh, And that's not the case within the EFCA because the EFCA sees baptism as a second-order issue. And so there's room mm-hmm. for theological variation there. And, and you'll just find that uh, in, on, on a number of issues, but not on first-order issues, uh, those things we hold to with great yeah. Great conviction. Yep. So, so since there's so much room for breadth in the EFCA, what is it that holds us together? Well, I think uh, first order is where stands it written. written. Right. And so just wanting to see, okay, well, you're believing this. So show me. Let's just, let's just get to the Bible and just show me how you got there. What's your hermeneutic or what's your, your, uh, uh, your studying habits and, and, and what got you to that particular uh, belief and just be able to dialogue about it. Again, first order, first order beliefs 
should be pretty pretty straight uh, forward and should be able to get to. But the secondary, the, right. the, the, the tertiary issues, uh, there it's like, yeah, if we can just winsomely be able to, to dialogue about this thing, uh, whatever that thing is, that issue is, um, uh, yeah, if you can see where, well, you know, I, I can see where that – you can see that. I see right. it this way, but uh, we can go forward on, on the greater mission together than we do. So we do have uh, EFCA statement of faith. We do. Centered on those first order issues. We do. And so that's one of the things that binds us together as a denomination is that we all subscribe to this statement of faith. It's a 10 article statement of faith. Yes. Uh, you can find it on our website if you want to go look at it. It's very easy to get to. Mm-hmm. It's just under the about tab. Yep. And just says beliefs and yep. you can click on that. And then I'll add there's a distinctive that's important to us, and that's congregationalism. That means that the congregation, through, uh, through membership, through being able to affirm then your documents, your, your bylaws, uh, who your senior leaders are, uh, that's important to us, again, because right. we're coming from the state church right. where, where it was all, the power was centered around uh, that hierarchy, uh, that one person on top or whatever. Here we, kind of, we believe, the, the, we take the, uh, the principle of the priesthood of believers. We all have the Holy Spirit. We all have access to wisdom. But we've all been gifted, too, in certain particular ways. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of just uh, finding out who are our leaders, identifying them, let them have, have breadth to lead, but also being able to uh, uh, to have guardrails around those leaders because, uh, well, we are still uh, living on this side of heaven. Right, right, yes. So EFCA churches are congregational churches. Uh, we embrace congregationalism. If anybody wants some more, if anybody's dying for all the details about some church polity, we can get into that uh, um, at another time. But, um, but yeah, and then uh, we're also tied together with an overarching mission. So the EFCA, as uh, uh, an organization has a mission statement. What we is do. that? We do. We want to be about. I'm putting you on the spot. We want to be about <laughs> multiplying transformational churches among all people. Ah, you passed. Ah, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so we partner together. That's one of the things that binds us together on this mission. And even though we're the Free Church of America, mm-hmm. uh, that mission is not just here we do it here how many do you know about how many church plants the efca has going on right now we have just over 100 church plants yeah and uh i think the number that we that we're looking at is 15 to 1600 total congregations Mm. of which i would say uh, 100 to 150 are church plants right right. in that category Uh, but then we also uh pursue that mission globally so uh there's a an official missionary sending organization of the EFCA called Reach Global. Do you know roughly? I have an idea, but I could be wrong about how many missionaries there are right now. Oh, and I was just with their leader a week ago. Um, for some reason, I want to say 550. Yeah, it's sitting in the five to six hundred range in my mind. Yeah, and I think it may be 40, 44 countries, something yeah, like that. That's that's awesome. Yep. So those are the things that bind us together. So we do have some structure, though we don't have a hierarchical structure like you were talking about, but we do organize somehow. And so you mentioned the Southeast District. How many districts are there? 17 districts total. Okay. 17 districts. Um, Who do those districts report to? Well, that's where you're getting some... uh, 
some interesting nuance some, some, there. Some muddy waters. So until, not muddy, but uh, interesting waters for sure. So four of those districts of which we are one report directly to the president or actually to the National Board of Directors. And then the president is their person to... Uh, uh, to have to uh, to mediate with us and to right. work with us. So really, we're working for the president. We chose that voluntarily uh, to do that. Each of those districts to chose to align themselves uh, directly uh, under the uh, the national office, uh, just for for various reasons. But to me, it's just one team want to be have one <clears throat> one mission. And let's just. Uh, uh, just keep that tight and going forward. But for good reasons, the other districts have chosen to continue on the way they were initially brought into the Free Church, which is just they are their own independent uh, organizations as well, but have intentionally, again, they've, they've come, I mean, they've, they've let's do an example of how, a, how does a district come to bear, to bear. So you would have a missionary like, uh, uh, like that came to Kentucky. There were a few of us that came to Kentucky to plant some churches there, and so we asked if we could become a district uh, to the national board and to the conferences. So they said, sure. So we expanded it to that. And so as church planters come in and get churches started, uh, they're not necessarily in a designated district area. So you become a pioneering district and they form one around you. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's the way, but that, that district is uh, uh, kind of like our churches. They're, they're, autonomous districts right. to where they're centered around a, a board that's made up of local pa local churches and pastors there in that particular geographic locale. Um, so that's the way, uh, what, what 17 minus 4, whatever 13. that is, 13. 13 of the districts uh, have that relationship with the national office of a dotted line. Four of us have, have a solid line relationship. Gotcha. And for anyone uh, listening, if, if you want to know more about uh, El Presidente, uh, our president, Kevin Conklin. We've actually interviewed him on Shades Midweek yep. uh, before, and you can go back and find uh, that interview and hear some more from him and his heart for uh, the EFCA and the mission of the EFCA. Well, Glenn, I want to shift to asking you some questions specifically about the Southeast District and okay. about your job okay. as the superintendent. Mm -hmm. But before I do that, oh boy, we have some very important, perhaps the most important business that we'll do today. Mm -hmm. To attend to. Glenn, I hope you're ready for the lightning round. Oh. <laughs> Weren't ready for the sound effects, were you? No, it's wonderful. Rolling thunder. Bring it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. We, we spoke about the lightning round before we recorded, and we decided it's more of a rolling thunder round. Than a <laughs> Just don't go round. fast enough. Okay. How do you like your eggs, Glenn? Scrambled. And ketchup. Okay. Hot sauce. That's right. I like That's hot sauce. Right. Ever I get made fun of for putting ketchup, ketchup. on my eggs by my own children, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How do you like your coffee? In someone else's hands. Okay. <laughs> someone else brew it. <laughs> I'm not a coffee drinker. <laughs> oh, you're not? Okay. Oh, okay. No. Uh, you just lost like ninety percent <laughs> so of our you, listenership. Are you no caffeine at all? Or uh -huh. do you no, I, <laughs> no, no, no. He, he just held up his, I, his you're coke You're the Diet Coke. No, I, I find other ways to get that caffeine. Okay. I had a great aunt when I was 10 years old. We were sitting around at a family large table. Everyone was drinking coffee except my, my uh, this great aunt who was a spinster. And uh, whatever that name is, but it seems to fit her, whatever that means. Mm. And, uh, uh, and, she, and while they were all drinking, she looked down at me and says, Now, Glenn, when you, when you grow up, don't drink coffee like the rest of these people. 
while she was drinking her hot water. And and for some reason, that made an impression it on me. stuck. And I never sipped That's coffee. hilarious. What was your first job? First job was selling popcorn at stock car races when I was in the eighth grade. That sounds like wow. something out of a movie. That was selling <laughs> popcorn so at much stock fun. car races. Were these legal stock car races? Was it like a dirt I'm track? This is like under the moonlight. It's like a dirt track type thing, <laughs> or dirt, dirt in a track, cornfield. Dirt track yeah, it is Nebraska. They, so. they said it was legal, but who knows? <laughs> uh huh. Oh, that's awesome. What What is your favorite city to go to? Ooh, and you are well traveled, sir. Do you know how many miles you've traveled? I do. That's a good question, too. I do. Let's let's keep with this. Uh, okay. New New Orleans is my favorite city. Mm. Yeah, I love. But New having Orleans. lived there for so many years, I enjoy all the nuances and things that come with it. So tell us how many miles you've traveled. <laughs> uh, in this particular job that I've been in for now twenty years, I have one point one million miles driven. 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 Wow. Driven. That's not even counting your flight miles. I, I wish they had frequent driver. I know. <laughs> Get a discount on gas. Maybe, I want to do an average like on that. how many hours, how many days of your life that means you've spent in a car. Oh, so many. But my car is my, uh, what, my my classroom, my cathedral, my right. confessional. <laughs> your prayer room. It's all those things. My office. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's Okay, that's if, if you could go anywhere in the world on vacation, where would you go? a great question uh be an island okay it'd be uh sun sand and away from phone yes yeah just something like that yes yeah okay well you're you're in the car a lot are you uh when you're listening to the radio if you are listening to the radio are you are you more of a podcast guy or are you a music guy podcast podcast Mm-hmm. Enjoyed you guys. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, we do what we can, Glenn. <laughs> oh, describe your style in one word. Oh, you guys, this is a fun one. <laughs> I know there's been words that have gone through your head. There's been a lot of words. You're just trying to <coughs> narrow it down. I'll give you two words. Give me two words. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, you're letting me take two yeah, words. Yeah, you can have two words. You can oh, just describe style. your style. I, w- I would go, I would just go genuine. Genuine. Yeah. Um, are aliens real? No. <laughs> okay. Back to the... Co- not, not in the way you're asking that question. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, back to being in a car, how fast... I mean, we you, are shooting down. Have UFOs. you driven a I'm car just saying before? We're shooting How down fast UFOs? have you driven? That's all I'm saying. Shooting down UFOs. <laughs> As Technically, yes, we have shot down <laughs> UFOs, but that is a broad term. But no, does it mean little green men or listen? They said unidentified. They said UFOs. Okay. <laughs> all right. And my fourth grade brain. Well, they've they've been trying to change that to unidentified uh, aerial. Uh, there, there's other names U, UAE UA change. something I can't remember they, they're change. trying to get away from the UFO alright I'll let it go now let's Anyways, go back to your question how fast I hate to break into in? your guys' uh, banter here uh, what was the question oh how fast how, how fast have how you fast? driven in a car uh, probably around 120 when I was uh, in, in high school and okay. back when they had V8s and all that kind of stuff okay yeah alright now you mentioned being a hippie so mm-hmm. what kind of music uh do you like well, maybe maybe this is the better question? Who's your favorite band or artist? 
Wow, uh, you're taking me back to uh, to a lot of good times. Uh, my first album was uh, a Three Dog Night. Okay, uh, liked all that stuff. You know, Steppenwolf, all that kind of album. things back then. So I love that. But you know, I grew up in the time of the Beach Boys, and I was living in Nebraska, so I had that kind of fantasy life that I enjoyed. Right. Um, today. You know, my favorite group, uh, not that you asked that particular one, but be for King and Country, something like okay. that. Love the percussion on that. Love the uh, the messages that they send out. Do you do you play anything? I do not play, not not musically. What's uh What's one of your nicknames? Uh, you know, I've always wanted a nickname. I've never liked my name. Uh, I never told anyone what my middle name was until I was maybe ten years maturing as a Christian. Uh, and I've always so, but I've never gotten it. My I, my initials spell gas. My mom used to call me a little fart all the time. <laughs> oh my word! Let's talk that out. You know, <laughs> how does that make you feel? <laughs> oh, I feel like we're learning some really deep things here. But no, I never really had a nickname. Uh, in tennis, okay, here you go. Tennis. Uh, so I I was a tennis player, and that was where I was going to make my fame and fortune. Mm-hmm. And I had a decent serve, so they used to call me Rocket Man. Of course, Elton John had yep. the song way back when, yeah. and uh, so I enjoyed that. Yeah. All right, if you could have an actor play you in a movie about yourself, who would that actor be? Oh, McConaughey. Come on, why not? All Go right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Oh, my word. Oh, man. All right. you have I, any more, Jonathan? Or should <laughs> I, we wrap I, it up? I, we, we can wrap it up here in a second. I had one, and then I forgot what it was. Um, what's, your, what's your grandparent name? What do your grandkids call you? Uh, uh, Grandpa and Papa. Papa. Yeah. Okay. Do All you right. have a favorite sports team? Uh, Professional cor- or college? Uh, Nebraska Cornhusker. Come on. Okay. Any, anything Nebraska athletics. Mm-hmm. It's been a rough rough time for the football program. Times are changing, yeah. my friend. Oh, yeah. But we always win the off season. It's just right. <laughs> yeah, you guys just you guys just got a new coach. That's right. We do. Um, have a terrific, I don't think that's uh, what you're supposed to win. <laughs> Uh, what remind me his name? He was at ba- he was at Baylor, right? Matt, and then Matt, he was at the Matt Rule. Matt Rule, That's Temple, right. then Baylor, then the That's Panthers, right. and now with us yeah. for a long. I think haul. he's a good coach. I think he'll be there for a he's, while. He's yeah, made yeah. all the right moves so yeah. far. We're yeah. very right. excited. Finish this phrase. The way to my heart is chocolate. All right, my last question: What did you and your bride do for your first date? First date, you had to bring that up. It's still a point of contention. It always is. It always it, it always is. is. Yep. It's it's a point of contention. And Holly and I just told our story to somebody the other day, and I love telling it together. You know, because we go back and forth. Yeah. Uh, there there are some really hilarious points of contention in John Mark and Ashley's story. Yeah, it's true. It's it's always it's always a thing. So I took her to uh, I took her to a musical in my hometown, the high school uh, high school musical. Uh, and uh, and the star was the 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 girl that I that just broke up with me. Oh, and oh, and, Karen, and Karen knew the travails of that. And so uh, here I'm taking Karen to our first date. It's oh. this musical, and there's the star right there in front of her the whole time. <laughs> Didn't seem like that big of a deal to Smooth. me. Smooth. Yeah. All right. Final Smooth. final question. Unless you have another no, one. I'm but done, I've got, I'm done. All right. This is a tough one. Uh, you're going to have a dinner party. You can invite three guests. Anyone in history can be invited, but let's exclude for the, the purpose of this question, Jesus or anyone from the Bible. So 
historical figures, uh, whoever, whoever you want to invite, dead or alive, are going to be at this dinner party that you're planning. Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln. Wow. <clears throat> and he's, he's uh, thought about this. Yeah. 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 And who? There's so many others that I would love to to throw into that with them. Um, and Brian Stevenson. Oh yeah. Awesome. Just mercy. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'd love to see that interplay mm. with uh, the past and mm. then the present on that particular issue of uh, our American history. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I just started reading the other day, the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass. So I'm making mm-hmm. my way through that, but uh, it's been, it's been an incredible read for sure. It One is. that I've been wanting to read for a long time. So yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, All right. you survived yes. the uh, rolling thunder lightning round. <laughs> Gonna have to re-record that uh that song. Rolling thunder. <laughs> rolling thunder is actually my one of my favorite eras of Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan in the Rolling Thunder Review. So mm. yeah. Anyways. Awesome. All right. Well, let's narrow in on the Southeast District, Glenn, which you said is made up of nine states. Can you name them? <laughs> you know, I can. <laughs> Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, the Carolinas, Georgia, and Florida. And let's throw in Haiti and Puerto Rico as well. I really love the fact that the Carolinas don't get named individually. (laughs) It's just like tough luck, you north and south. You just get one state. (laughs) Um, Okay. You're easily amused. I am. I am very easily amused. So where do you live in the midst of that southeast district? I live in Jacksonville, Florida. That so wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that half our churches are in Florida, would it? <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. But I wanted mm. to be far enough north where I could have access, easy access to everybody else. Good transportation hub. And also has a bit of an urban environment there that uh, I could dabble in that kind of ministry as well. And not far from that Beach Boys dream that you had growing up. You know, in the sixth grade, our, our, our teacher invited us all to write a letter to the Department of State, of some state, and just ask for brochures or whatever. And so I picked Florida <laughs> in the sixth grade. Wow. And uh, they sent me back this little packet of white sand. That's little did I know that, wow. I'd, be living, that I'd be living five minutes from you that. Should, you should sand. write them back. And, and sure. tell them that you've dumped that in your, you've returned the sand, dumped it <laughs> into right. your front yard. That's hilarious. Um, so, um, so you're the superintendent of that district. What does that mean? <laughs> what does a district superintendent do, Glenn? What, what is the focus of your job? Well, let's go back to how a district comes to be. You have the church planter first, and then he starts a congregation, and he might move on to plant another church, so they invite a pastor into that first church. And then as more and more churches are planted, more and more pastors come about, and uh, and so they're looking for some help or some assistance, maybe navigating some of the church planning they're doing or some of the uh, the different issues they might be having going on in their in their uh, congregation, and so they look to someone to kind of come alongside and, and and just serve them in that or help connect them to some answers. So that's kind of what I do as that district has grown, and they look for someone like that to be able to kind of help bring them together and assist. So I say to people, I wake up to four things every day. I wake up to helping people, helping churches get planted, helping churches become healthy helping pastors to be cared for, and to helping us continue to reach out to others in that all-people piece, to be keeping our eyes up and looking for else, who else can we go to, to uh, with the gospel. Mm. 
and that keeps you traveling around the district, hence the one point one, one million, million miles. miles. Good gravy. Because you're here right now in Birmingham, Alabama, sitting in this booth with us, and your job has brought you here. Exactly. And we have capitalized upon that. You are here not specifically for Shades Midweek. I know everybody thought you drove from Jacksonville just for this. Uh, but you're here for what we call a regional pastors meeting. What What is that, and how does that fit into what you do? Uh, well, as the cell is kind of the, the the main organ of the body or whatever those are called, the, the regional pastor meetings are kind of the cell, the the main ingredient of, uh, of our relationships as a district. And so we have 11 regional pastor meetings. And so uh, it's uh, really the main thing that I do is just kind of come around and stay in front of the guys. Just uh, even if they can't make it, if I email them and say, I'm going to be in their area, that usually brings back an email, say, hey, I can't make it, but here's something that I'm, that I'm working through. What do you think about that? So it just kind of keeps me in front of everybody at least three times a year. And, uh, and if they want to have a face-to-face or uh, with me, they know where to find me uh, at those particular times, as well as what's even more important is they're able to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. So those pastors in that particular region can, can, uh, can find that, uh, that resonance with others and yeah. so where they don't even need to call me because they have someone even closer to them that they can uh, call and maybe get together with and find some encouragement and some some counsel and so throughout the district you do 11 of Ele- those 11 three times three a year. times a year mm-hmm. so we're talking 33 mm-hmm. regional pastors meetings mm-hmm. so virtually that breaks down to Two a month, one every other week, or more than two a month. I have a. How is that not just a full time job? You know what? It is. <laughs> so I have a January, February, kind of an April, May, and then uh, an October, November uh, kind of rhythm to it. Hmm. And uh, huh. works great. Like yesterday morning, woke up early, drove to Atlanta, enjoyed okay. the guys yeah. in Atlanta, came over here uh, for today here, and I'll leave from here to go to New Orleans. Hmm. How, do you know how many weeks out of the year you're on the road? Uh, if I look, I do have it on my calendar. Okay, okay. I, was <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Off the top of your head. Um, I, I, I could go in so many different directions. Like, I want to go in the personal direction and talk about, like, how that was with your kids and your family and all of those kinds mm-hmm. of things. But I know our time is drawing to a close because we have a regional pastors meeting <laughs> coming up here in, like, 10 minutes. Um, and, and that's been something that's been so beneficial for me and for the rest of our staff, or I know for John Mark and Brad, um, you know, us getting to, but we are the only EFCA church in Birmingham. You are. And so now there's like at least 10 other churches here who should be a part of oh, the yeah. EFCA. But 100%. That's, that's another thing. I'm working on them. Um, 100%. <laughs> oh, but, um, but it's been great because it's a way that we've gotten to consistently connect with uh, other pastors um, who are part of the EFCA. We've gotten to consistently connect with you. We talk about what's going on in our lives, our personal lives, and our ministries. We get feedback. We get to pray for one another. Um, yeah, it's just a really uh, encouraging time, and we are, uh, we're really thankful that we get to host the one uh, for today. And so, yeah, we thank you for Yeah, and for I'm grateful this. for your guys' partnership, and you're always ready and willing to do that, so uh, it makes it easier. Mm. Now, Glenn, you said that your your bride is retiring soon, mm-hmm. and uh, are is that around the corner for you? <laughs> you know what it is. This is my last year in this role. I, I knew the answer. To I this. know you I'm, did. I'm just 
So it's I'm, for the audience. It's for the audience. Yes. <laughs> so I'm using the uh, the the uh, the retirement age of seventy as a reason to step aside and let someone younger, uh, fresher. Uh, come in. I mean, I love the job. I'd love to keep doing it. I still have we've good energy. We've been feeling like you've been stale health. for a while. <laughs> yeah, right. Fresh is what we've wanted. Yeah. So, no, we are sad. <laughs> we are very sad yeah. to see you go. So we use retirement, but it's really more of a reassignment for me because mm-hmm. I've got uh, so I've got all kinds of interests and things that I will continue to follow. But you know, you, you can't help but dig, but uh, to have some ruts. And to, to be missing things and just let someone else come in, see it from fresh eyes, you have a different perspective, be able to relate differently with the pastors. I think the thing I've enjoyed is the people. What I'll miss are the all the stories I've had a chance to be a part of, and hopefully a lot of that will continue on. But uh, let's let someone else have that privilege and uh, be able to bring in their own bent to it. So I'm excited for what the future is. We have a lot of, like you guys are typifying, a lot of just terrific young leaders all throughout the Southeast uh, with the EFCA. And I'm just so excited for the future, and I guess I'm trying to hurry it along here. Well, as you said earlier, we are heroes. You are. So. <laughs> Do you have some background music for I that? I couldn't keep a straight face <laughs> saying that. Oh, my word. No. Well, I walked Wait. in this morning, and no, you were dealing no. with something just like that. You, and you guys, you never know what each day is going to bring, and you have to go from one to another thing to another thing. And uh, uh, talk about toughest jobs in America or the world. Mm. Uh, try this Try this on, uh, listeners. Uh, it's well, not, an easy, uh, not an easy thing. Well, we would, we would flip that label on you, Glenn, and we mm. would say that you have been uh, – uh, a hero in a real sense. Um, uh, we have I, I've watched you uh, over the last decade. I'm I'm super thankful that I got to uh, I didn't come in at the tail end of your time. Mm-hmm. You know, as the as the district superintendent, I've gotten to watch you lead in a number of things, both on the local level and have a hand in uh, big national level uh, denominational moves mm-hmm. and getting to see the way you've handled those things. Um, and the way you've led just with graciousness, kindness, and patience. And I've got to see a uh, real fruit born from that. And so I am thankful for, uh, for you, for your ministry. Um, and I know we're actually right in the throes of looking for whoever that next person is going to be. We are. Um, what's the potential, like, like your end what's date, your start date? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the actual, uh, Request for applications is going to be coming out next month okay. in April. Uh, they will uh, a small team will field those applications. You got yours ready, John Mark. I've been working <laughs> yeah. on mine. Right, I've been working absolutely. On mine. Uh, they'll they'll look through those applications for the next uh, few months after that, so that by uh, middle of summer, then the president Kevin will uh, have an opportunity to look at the two to four that this small team will will give him uh, after they've. Uh, uh, cold through all of those and then kevin will make the decision probably uh late summer uh early fall and uh hopefully by this well i was gonna say by the end of the year it'd be nice to have one month or two months to be able to walk together with that person right. but no matter when it comes uh, uh hopefully we'll just have a great relationship and just be able to assist and serve each other as we go forward well and so the, the very end of this year december 31 you know uh do the time card out, and uh, the other person will hopefully already be carded in. Mm. Great. 
Well, maybe we'll just close with uh, with this last question, and that is, uh, as you are transitioning out and new leadership in, what are what are some of your hopes for the future of specifically the Southeast District or the EFCA as a whole? Well, just that uh, th- that we, when I say we, we as congregations, pastors in the Southeast, will continue to just want to mobilize uh, our local congregations as well as be mobilized together with, with others just to keep reaching out and to just do what we do, what we do what we've been called to. Um, again, we have, uh, we have just some wonderful young leaders and uh, that have uh, that have not only a local vision but have a global vision as well and uh, they really want to make a difference because that's what the spirit's been pressing upon them on so let's pray for continual revival and movement of the spirit be courageous followers Mm -hmm. of that and for myself you know i do this uh, uh my my personal discipline is every day is just uh writing uh, writing out in a journal on the right-hand side, Scripture, five to seven verses a day. And then on the left-hand side, in pencil, I'll uh, just uh, title what I just read and outline it or doodle something or whatever. And I recently was doing uh, Romans 12, my favorite chapter in the Bible, to, to write out and, and hit some verses that I've written before, but it didn't hit me like it did this time. But in the context of retirement, uh, Romans 11 and 12, about don't be lacking in zeal. Keep up mm. your spiritual fervor. Mm. Uh, be joyful, patient, uh, uh, and, and faithful in prayer. And it's like, well, in my context, uh, and I was born out of the Jesus Revolution, that movie that came out. It was right. that mm-hmm. time period. My first thing I went to was where that movie closed with that gathering of youth, 80,000 in the Cotton Bowl Stadium in Dallas, mm. Expo oh, yeah. 72. Oh, yeah. I was there. I was feeling that. That's where That's I gave my, my life to the Great Commission and to the desire to be filled and traveled cool. with the Holy Spirit. We, we have another episode that we want to do now. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to talk about uh, that expo. <laughs> And, uh, and so anyway, uh, so why lose now? That gender, we were, that, that revolution, uh, I got in on the early part of it, and now I'd like to finish it strong. So uh, I can't wait to see what I'll be doing a year from now. Well, that's awesome. Well, Glenn, we just appreciate so much your time. You came an hour early for us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, and um, we are so thankful for you and for your service uh, to the EFCA, but more importantly, to, to the Lord and just are excited to see what happens with the future of our district and also excited to see what happens uh, with you and your bride and what the Lord calls you all to in this reassignment. (laughs) Thank you, and to God be the glory. Absolutely. Well, if you have any questions about the EFCA, about our district, um, we probably can't answer them, but we'll forward your emails to Glenn. I'm just kidding. But sure, come on, email. And if you have any questions specifically for Glenn, um, I've got his phone number. I can call him and bug him. Um, <laughs> but email us uh, at midweek at shadesvalley.org. Because remember, as Bradford Brown would say if he were here, here at Shades Midweek, you are part of the conversation. Mm-hmm.